want to be a member of a burning association. Which one should I join? I'll need some information. That was pretty good. That was a, <laughs> I, I don't, I, you were not positive about that song. I think it's positive. Aww, I think it's so good. so sweet. So thank you all for tuning into Hannah and Eric Go Birding, a podcast for birders by birders. I'm Hannah and he's Eric. And we created this podcast to share adventures, sometimes misadventures, and opinions we have about birding topics. And we are not experts. And anything that we discuss that might be controversial, we want you to remember that there are opinions and they might be different from yours. Yeah. Yeah, opinions. <laughs> so, Hannah, we have uh, a little bit of uh, rare bird birding news. Yeah, so we'll jump into it. Um, so, uh, I'm just going to go by, like, location, um, as I have in a couple of them. So, <laughs> I don't I don't really even want to talk about Alaska. because Nobody just, wants you to talk about Alaska. I just saw a rare bird alert from somebody in Alaska that said they might have gotten a North American first, which is, like... yeah cool but it's like ah (laughs) yeah and i'm just like super jealous because we're not in alaska and we've never been to alaska and it's just another place we need to go seriously a few of the um things that have popped up there recently are include a rough a sharp-tailed sandpiper redneck stint common snipe sladyback gull arctic tern siberian accenter a center accenter um a white wagtail white wagtail and a red-throated pipit. I mean, there's a lot more because there's apparently a lot of people up in Alaska right now finding rarities. Um, it, just before the winter sets in? Seriously. Just before <laughs> it's like, it's like last ditch to go to Alaska and see what you can find, I guess. I guess. So. But um, yeah, a couple of them were uh, shorebirds. So yeah. they might be, you know, juveniles that have blown off track. Maybe they'll come down here to Oregon. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I, I, I think that's... It's West Coast. It's Best Coast. So they should come right on down <laughs> and hang out with us. Uh, so moving along to Arizona, they've had a common crane, a black cap gnat catcher, a tropical perula, rufous-capped warbler. So Arizona's getting a lot of stuff right now, too. Yeah. California, they've been seeing a rough. Um, British Columbia and Washington had had several reportings of flush-footed shearwaters. I assume those are probably out on pelagics. Um, one was on a pelagic, and I think one was from the shore. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, Florida has a thick build vireo. They've also had the hurricane going through, uh, so who monster knows? Monster hurricane. Who knows if some, that'll, you know, of course our thoughts are with everybody that are impacted. Um, but we're, we're curious to see what sort of birds are going to come out of that yeah. hurricane. I know when we were living in Houston and Hurricane Harvey was occurring. Yeah, right before Hurricane Harvey ended up striking, they had, uh, or we had, a bunch of magnificent frigate birds. No, it was after. It was oh, it was like, right after? Yeah. Well, it was, it was right around Hurricane Harvey. We, we ended up with uh, a whole flock of uh, magnificent frigate birds that were an hour and a half in away yeah. from the coast, which people ended up having them all the way to Austin, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, they did. But for us, we had them in Houston, which, which is an is, hour and a half. Yeah, super unusual. Yeah. Um, last one in Alabama, they've had a fork-tailed flycatcher, which is a beautiful bird. So if you're in that area, you might decide to go see it. Um, Eric, we've had a couple of reviews. Would you like to read those off? Yeah, so um, I guess I'll start with the newest one, which is uh, the Uniballer. Um, loving the adventures, love the podcast. Lately I've been doing, lately I've been loving all your adventures, motivating me to get me to get to new places. Great birding podcast, informative and fun. 
Thank you. I tried to muddle my way through that one. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for reviewing us. We appreciate it. Yeah, And we also have another one that I guess we failed to talk about. So I like just found out about Podchaser, which I still don't really know what it is other than like a place where you can learn about podcasts. Man, I like, so I Google our podcast name every once in a while just to like see if anybody's written any like hate blogs about us or anything (laughs) (laughs) they're out there somewhere i just know it and there are like it seems like there's like a hundred different podcast apps or things that you can use to find podcasts yeah so i've kind of not really been good about keeping up with all that but pod chaser seems to be a pretty um heavily used program and it's one that Susie buttress introduced me to on twitter because she would post about it a lot, as well as another podcast called Just the Zoo of Us. Um, they post about it pretty frequently, too. And Susie so. Buttress is the casual birder? She is the casual right. bird birder. Yeah. So she wrote a wonderful review for us, and we really appreciate it. She said, a great podcast. Hannah and Eric's show is suitable for all ages, and they show how much fun birding is. Do listen. And we encourage you to check out her podcast, too, A Casual Birder. Um she is British, and it's wonderful to listen to her. It's very casual. <laughs> it is. For sure. She's she's really nice to listen to. It's I, I think tons of people have referred to her voice as just super soothing. Yeah, and she talks Which about, it is soothing. She talks about all these cool birds that we don't normally see since we're not in England, but she sits in her backyard, and she does some interviews sometimes, um, but it's fun to hear about all of the chaffinches <laughs> Come through her yard, I think, yeah, or bullfinches. And, and, and all the different uh, corvids that she has over there. We, we listened to a whole corvid episode the other day. Yeah. It's it kind of an older episode, but we, we listened to it the other day, and it was just all, all about the different uh, different corvids they have over there. Yeah. So um, we've also had a recommendation on Facebook. Yeah. So Jane Glick said, uh, love their podcast. It is fun, informative, and addresses all kinds of aspects of birds. So Awesome. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Jane. Yeah, so thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. And um, if you would like to say anything about us, um, please feel free to do so. Uh, only positive things, though. No, just kidding. <laughs> you can say negative things. <laughs> just hide it from me, okay? <laughs> uh, but do it on Apple Podcasts, Facebook, I guess Podchaser. If you, on Podchaser, you can create co- like collections of podcasts. So okay. um, just the zoo of us, they put one together of like animal podcasts hmm. and included us on there as well oh, nice. as themselves and a couple others. Well, thank you guys for that. Yeah, so um, maybe check out Podchaser. Chaser? Is that what I said? Podcaster? Pod chaser? Pod chaser. Pod chaser. That's what yeah. it's called. <laughs> and um, another little piece of news. Uh, I've been doing listener shout outs uh, as to which city has listened to us the most. And for the last episode, and this one was a tie between Portland and Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to us. Yeah. Well, welcome to the game, Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> First time you guys have been on the top. Way to get in there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we just recently had a, a contest so, to um, for our listeners and for our people following us on Facebook. Um, so if you listen to our last episode, mm-hmm. I just finished reading a book, which is pretty big. I haven't I'll, done that in a while. I'm going to learn how to read someday, so soon I'll be reading books <laughs> and... 
offering them up. But it's going to be a long time. It's going to be like episode 100. (laughs) (laughs) But I I read a book called The House of Owls by Tony Angel. And um, we decided to share the love with everybody and of owls because that book was really cool. And I want to share it with somebody else. So what we decided to do was have a contest on Facebook and Twitter uh, to see who could come up with the best movie title where they replace one of the words in the movie title with owls, uh, which I'm sure you've seen like... The owl substitution game. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen that <laughs> that game like everywhere, but we just decided that would be a fun That'd way. be fun, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so we had 42 entries by 23 different people, and we chose a winner, but I figured before we announce the winner, we should uh, read a handful of these alternating back and forth and sure. see... Uh, just some some of the ones that we just thought were hilarious and were definitely contenders to win. I'm pretty sure we laughed at all of them, though. So Every thank single you, one. Thank you to everyone that participated. Even the ones we didn't say here. Yeah, but you guys had some really good ones. So <laughs> thank you for participating. And as soon as I finish another book, we'll do this again. Yeah. Maybe not the same contest, but something. So the first one is The Theory of Owls. All right, we also had uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Owls. The Wizard of Owls. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Owls. Nightmare on Owl Street. The Owl Ultimatum. The Sound of Owls. Dances with Owls. <laughs> <laughs> the Men Who Stare at Owls. <laughs> Die Hard with an Owl. And a few good owls. So those were all ones that we just at least wanted to mention because they were hilarious can i do a drum roll or do you think that's not going to sound right I, I think that would sound awful okay never mind just imagine a drum roll <laughs> imagine a drum roll yeah the winner is uh eat pray owls which is just hilarious i i wish they would have changed the prey to p-r-e-y that wasn't the game but it wasn't that wasn't the game but eat pray owls is still hilarious it's like a command eat pray owls eat pray owls but um, it's uh, Greg. He uh, posted that on our Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, we messaged him, and we'll we'll get him his copy real soon. Yeah. So, so congratulations, Greg. And thank you guys all for participating. So this um, episode, we decided to talk a little bit about all the people that want your money. You know, <laughs> in terms of birding, not just the government, and not just optics companies. <laughs> <laughs> not just your mom and your brother <laughs> your landlord <laughs> yeah. everyone else that wants your money Those jerks um anyways so there's a lot of uh environmental groups out there that are doing great work and a lot of them that want your money because they need money to be able to do the things that they do mm-hmm. so you can a lot of them have membership programs like you can be part of the nature conservancy the world wildlife fund um lots of groups out there and we wanted to look into different birding organizations because we felt that um we should be aware and that everyone should be aware hopefully you guys are interested to be aware of what these organizations are doing and the missions that they have that you're supporting by paying membership to these organizations yeah so as we said there's tons of different organizations where you live you're probably within the service area of multiple different birding Birding and conservation organizations. So, like, a local chapter of an Audubon, national chapter, or the National Audubon, um, Sierra Clubs, like, lots of different overlapping boundaries Mm -hmm. for different... uh, Different groups and different organizations. And, of course, that's not isolated to just the Americas. There's other 
um, groups too, like the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds. Yeah, and... the Toronto Ornithological Club. Yeah, so all ar- all around the world, there's clubs and organizations and affiliations and associations and every other possible name that you can come up with for groups of people coming together that are like-minded. Mm-hmm. And we're a part of several of these, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But um, we are so fortunate to know the Oregon Birding Association president, Diana, and we just asked her if she would come talk to us about birding associations. Yeah, so we, we sat down with her at the Cannon Beach Settling Ponds uh, over here just to do a little bit of bird watching while we were talking. <laughs> there was quite a bit of bird watching, lots of purple martins and stuff flying around, but uh, uh, t- we wanted to discuss the Oregon Birding Association and how it compares to other state-level um, birding groups or larger-level birding groups and all the different things that uh, these different organizations take on the responsibility of doing. So, Enjoy. Okay, um, so we're at the Settling Ponds in Cannon Beach, one of our favorite birding locations in Oregon. Of course, we live in Oregon. Mostly because it's like a five-minute walk yeah. from where you live. And it's a really <laughs> great birding spot. It is really good. And um, we are here to talk with Diana about uh, birding, and she's also the uh, Oregon Birding Association president, correct? That's right, yep. So why don't yeah. you tell us about yourself? Okay. And, you know, it's actually super beautiful here as well, but we try oh, not is. to tell too many people that. But um, <laughs> We'll have too many people show up and yeah, burn. <laughs> yeah, we usually just call it the sewage ponds. And so it's really nice and calm here, even though it's very busy and crowded in town. Yeah, yeah. there's. I think so, we've had one person walk by us yeah. in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. 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 yeah, so I've been coming to Cannon Beach all my life and um, live in Portland, but spend a lot of time here. So, uh, what do you do for a living? Um, I'm, I actually work in software. So, oh, okay. I started out as a software engineer, and now I work as a software program manager. Oh, okay. And I've always worked for big tech companies, and one of the really nice things about that is they encourage telecommuting and remote working. So, oh, there, there are a go. lot of days when you can <laughs> call in, or you might be on the road somewhere, and you can still call in for meetings. And, stay in touch even though you might be chasing a bird somewhere. <laughs> so, so. They're, they're, they're doing it to lessen the um, environmental impact of driving in and you're taking advantage of being able yeah, to go birding? Yeah, well also, <laughs> I mean, just because the companies have people all over the place. So yeah. any meeting that you have, there's people that are based in California or Arizona oh, okay. or somewhere else. So yeah. it's all set up to accommodate people being wherever they happen to be. <laughs> so. I saw so, some uh, ad the other day for a place in Ireland that's like an island like super far off of Ireland that there's only like a hundred residents uh-huh. and they were trying to attract people that worked in the tech field that could, you know, work uh-huh. from abroad to yeah. come live there <laughs> yeah. and work. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah. But well, that wasn't doesn't something work. about their internet? They were like, oh, well, we've updated Oh, they our... just got internet. Yeah, they, they just oh, got internet oh, and they were okay. like, we have well, internet. That, you that guys, need to, yeah. you guys need to come out here and work yeah. on our island. Contribute to our little tiny economy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how long have you been birding? Well, I started... Probably about 25 years ago, I'd say, um, when I met my husband, Alan, and he started telling me about Malheur. Mm. You guys mm. been to Malheur? Once, yes. oh, very okay. briefly. <laughs> so he started telling me about this great place, and so we started going there every year in the spring. So 
it turns out it's one of the best places to go birding in Oregon, especially in the spring because it's a big migration pathway there. Yeah. And so we went there every year and I would keep a list while we were there and I really enjoyed it. And then I would come back home and I didn't really realize that you could bird anywhere else. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sort of... Birding was, was a place to in, go. Yeah, a yeah. place to go. And there's a lot of um, birding by car, which actually works pretty well because your car is a blind and you can sneak up on different birds. And, and so um, it took me several years to actually figure out you can actually bird anywhere. <laughs> And um, I got a really good pair of binoculars, um, this same pair of Swarovskis. Oh, nice. And um, they've just been the greatest investment ever because mm. I've used them, I think, every day since I got them. <laughs> and I love the fact that there's no batteries and no software and, you know, nothing to <laughs> you don't be have updated. To wait for updates or yeah, anything, yeah. <laughs> yeah they, just, they just work. So, um, but I'd say about 10 years ago, I got much more seriously interested in birding and there was one time when my son asked me for some reason we were talking about birds and he asked how many birds have you seen and that got me thinking wow I wonder and so I looked <laughs> back through all the checklists yeah. that I had from out here and yard lists and I was able to come up with 250 birds oh wow all right and then I was aware that you could post your listing results if you reached 300. Hmm. So then that sort of got me going on, <laughs> on you, listing. You have to post them now. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I've never turned back. But so huh. that year then I felt, oh, I have to go and get 50 more birds and get my list up to 300. And um, yeah, so there's a lot of, I find appealing things about keeping track of your lists and oh, listing. Yeah. And now with the way eBird is, with the the app for it mm -hmm. for your mobile phone it's just so easy to keep all your lists and they keep adding more and more things yeah. to it that yeah. are like oh that you know I always thought it should have that uh -huh. feature <laughs> so that's, yeah, yeah that's nice yeah. so um, how long have you been involved with the OBA the Oregon Birding Association so I've been a member for probably about 10 years and then about five okay. years ago I volunteered to be the photo editor for the Oregon Birds Journal mm -hmm. And that's been really fun, really interesting. And just through doing that, um, a couple years ago, the person who was president, Kathy Nowak, she recruited me to get on the board and, <laughs> and sign up for being president. And yeah. we are always looking for people to join us and volunteer and be on the board. So okay, that's how I got more and more involved in it. Yeah, just slowly, just mm -hmm. put those hooks in you and drag you in. Yeah, yeah. As most organizations like that happen. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have a few extra minutes? Right. Let's turn those few right. extra minutes into a few extra hours. Right. And we'll pull you all the way, get uh -huh. you fully ingrained. Yeah. <laughs> so um, pretty much around the time that you really got into listing and started looking at it is when you got involved with uh, the yeah. Oregon Birding Association. Yeah, I joined Oregon Birding Association, and it was Oregon Field Ornithologists okay. at that time. And I actually did, when I saw that name, I thought, well, am I an ornithologist? Am I a field <laughs> ornithologist? Am I, will I be allowed to join this organization? And mm -hmm. it turns out that right around that time they were having discussions about changing the name yeah. because they thought maybe some people would be intimidated or feel like it was just for professional ornithologists mm -hmm. and yeah. not so much for birders. So I think... 
I, I wasn't involved in the board at that time, but I think that's why they changed the that name. Makes sense. Yeah, I actually I, went back and looked at some of the minutes. That we were we were looking at the website for the Oregon Field Ornithologists because uh -huh. that website's still active, and it's oh, if there is, it's fake. Well, it it, it had like that whole story that you just said oh. of like oh I'll this is what happened. You, you, you have to, yeah, so it it was like this is what happened. This is the year that it happened. Uh -huh. It had like a like a basically a history of like oh, okay. when it was I think it was written it might have been written by someone that was frustrated or disgruntled or something but it was it looks like it was written like right around the same time as everything got changed over yeah okay and it was one some of the things that were listed in that were like it, it said something like the birders that aren't professionals might feel discouraged by the, that that name but then. Also, it brought up that, oh, well, professionals might be discouraged by that it's changing uh -huh. to Burning Association rather than Field Ornith. Uh -huh. So it was like, it had like both sides in like a little history about the thing, which yeah. I thought was kind of like, oh, I had no idea any yeah. that happened or any yeah. that went on. And I, there was also, I mean, from looking at the minutes, there was also um, the idea of making sure that younger birders would be attracted oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. would want to join. So, okay. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. definitely important to get younger birders. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So um, we, we've lived in different places around the country, and we were familiar with, like, the Texas Ornithological Society and the Florida Ornithological Society. How does the Oregon Birding Association compare to them? Um, it's, it's actually um, quite similar, as far as I can tell, you know, from looking at their websites, mm -hmm. and, and I've gone through and I've compared with them, and then I've compared with other birding organizations around Oregon, and just, you know, there's, we're kind of continuously going back and looking at our mission and thinking oh, okay. about ah. what are we doing and what should we be doing, and so those two examples are actually quite similar, at least you know, on the surface from what they do. Mm -hmm. So um, the thing of being a statewide organization and um, there's also the Western Field Ornithologists, mm -hmm. yeah. which is also very similar except that it covers several states. Oh, it okay. covers Hawaii as well. So I think on all of these, including those Purple Martins. Were yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pur Purple Martins distracting us. Distracted by... <laughs> One of the yeah, great there we go. Two of the big ones success there. stories here is the Purple Martin House that we're looking at. Yeah. Um, so anyway, these statewide or area-wide, including um, Oregon Birding Association, um, they do things like having the official list mm -hmm. for that state. Mm -hmm. And like we have the Oregon Bird Records Committee that keeps track of the official list, which I think is up to 541 oh birds. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And I've, got, I've got a long way to go. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it would take a long time to get some of those uh, really rare yeah, stragglers. Some of the rarities, yeah. But you can you can look at their latest report and see. Um, they also have the review list, which is maybe over a hundred birds, maybe one hundred and fifty birds mm -hmm. that are quite rare and that there's only a handful of reports for. Okay. So they're the ones that. Um, you know, a report comes in like this ruby-throated hummingbird mm -hmm. that just came in yesterday. That's a review bird yeah. that's only been seen three times before in Oregon. So it's huh. kind of interesting to be able to go look up 
you know, when was that seen before? <laughs> How unusual is that? Yeah, so there's that, and then I think most of those organizations have a publication, some kind of journal, like we have the Oregon Birds Journal. Mm -hmm. And the Western Field Ornithologists, they, theirs is, um, it's actually a peer-reviewed journal. So oh, okay. it's, it gets into the more technical side of things. Um, in the Oregon Birds Journal, we try to have a mix of more technical articles and then just more articles about birders and about locations and about what birds have been seen in the past year. Okay, yeah, um, that's what we yeah. were, we, Eric and I did some research going into this about, you know, how they We don't how they can do research, but, <laughs> but we did this time. Good for you. But we were looking into how they compare because uh -huh. when we were in Florida, we were a little bit more involved okay. with the FOS. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, their their journal is, has a bunch of peer-reviewed articles. Uh -huh. peer okay, yeah, for, it could be FOS as well. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric yeah. was like, I don't know if OBA and T FOS are the same, you know, uh -huh. if they weigh the same. And I was saying, like, you got to get into the mission. You got to look at what the mission says. <laughs> right. And they yeah. they do have a lot of the same, you know, keywords uh -huh. in it, um, like connecting people with yeah. the science and connecting people to nature. Uh -huh. And yeah, we just weren't sure because the, you know, there's a, a consistency with the FOS and the TOS. Right. That they have the same right. names. Yeah. It, it comes back back <laughs> and, to the name again. Which yeah. it yeah. used to be. Kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. Only we would have been the OOS, I guess. OOS. OOS. We were the Oregon field ornithologists. And then the other thing, too, is the meetings. So I think they all have an annual meeting, and some have a mm -hmm. twice-a-year meeting as well. Okay. And then have different field trips that, okay. that are offered around around the state or around the region. So, okay. so they're, they seem similar on the surface, but... Um, you know, Execution. I need to pull you guys more into OBA <laughs> and then you can make the real comparison make, make, of make how, how this compares to Florida and you can help us build it up more too. So, so there are just a ton of different birding organizations that a person can join. Uh -huh. um, you know, here in, in Oregon, you could join Portland Audubon uh -huh. or your local Audubon. You could join the Oregon Birding Association, ABA, the you know National Audubon, Western the Field Ornithologists, yeah, right. the American right. Birding Conservancy. Uh -huh. Why um, why should someone be involved in their state? Uh, you know, the like their TOS OBA or FOS or, or OBA. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, so. There are those things that we just talked about. So there's the annual meeting where you can get together and meet other people. And one of the things I didn't mention was the OBAL, Oregon Birders Online. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's something that many years ago, um, Oregon Birding Association picked up as being sure to sponsor that and moderate that, mm -hmm. make sure that it has a home. Sometimes it has a different server and it's moved around. So a lot of those people that you kind of hear about or you, you see their postings, mm -hmm. um, you'll get to see those people at the annual meeting or people that you just see out birding around the state. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of nice that people actually get together in person once a year and see each other. Yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't realize that OBA sponsored and maintained the OBAL yeah, listserv. Yeah. Yeah, really? huh. and there's something now like there's 1,700 people that are registered users yeah. of wow. OBAL, meaning that they can actually post to it, and then they're probably, they can choose to receive like a daily email or, 
yeah. email every time something comes out. That would be exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> but I think there's a lot more people in addition to that that can just view it on the website. Like you can go to the ABA site and look in on all those listservs. Oh, okay. So there's a lot of people in that discussion, and it's. Uh, yeah, we don't really. Um, contribute that much, but I know uh -huh. how much I enjoy reading I, yeah. it every day. I contribute yeah. like once a month. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I, it's, I post it's our cool. Cannon you Beach post about the walk here. Cannon Beach Walk. And, I, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't see anyone else posting it, so I was like, well, uh -huh. I, I might as well post it. Yeah. Way, yeah. Maybe we can convince birders from the Portland area to drive uh -huh. down on Sundays. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, that's what I loved about the when we were in Texas. I worked at Benson Rio Grande Valley State Park, which uh -huh. is you know one of the best birding locations in the country. And we had a weekly walk, and I would post about the weekly uh -huh. walk, and only Oh my gosh, people knew my name because of that. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just so yeah. funny. You I had know, no idea who yeah. you were, but they're like, oh, you're Hannah? Yeah. They oh, I know you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people do learn your name from that. I I used to post more on Obal. And, um, yeah, so it's great. You go out in the field and you're out somewhere in Oregon. It could be anywhere. Yeah. And you run into people and you introduce yourself. And, the you know, the people that are posting on Obal, you recognize the names. And, oh, yeah. And talk to them. How funny yeah. is that? Yeah. It, it, it always makes me feel like I'm on, on the in crowd when I, when, oh, there's a spotted skin. Oh. Um, nice. when, when you're in the in crowd, the, you see someone on the trail and then they'll introduce themselves and you'll know their name and it's like, oh, I know you. And then, <laughs> right. they, then they say the same thing. And it's like, we actually don't know each other, right. but we've been reading Oval right. posts back and forth for right. a number of years. Yeah. It's such this is the an, first time face to face ever. Yeah. It's an interesting community, the whole community of birders in the way that there's also people that you might know because you saw them at some bird, and that's mm -hmm. how you remember them. Oh, yeah, You'll yeah, say, yeah. oh, yes, I remember you. I mm. met you at the Little Bunting in Enterprise. <laughs> <laughs> and and it can just be anywhere in the state, which is... That's uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, there's, those, there's also the listing that Paul Sullivan does a really great job of collecting everybody's listing results that yeah. we post on the website and... and put a summary of that in the magazine as well and then you get copies of the magazine um, but I I do also think it's important to be part of your local um, clubs so the different local Audubon societies mm -hmm. like the East Cascades Audubon Society you know the Lane County one the one in Corvallis there's a bunch of those all over the state and that's where people are just getting together all the time to bird in their local area. East Cascades does like every single week or something, don't they? Gosh, they do. They're, and They're very active. Yeah, and they they keep some really great records, you know, a lot of the county records they uh -huh. keep, and they are, they're really active and really yeah. great, and they have that really nice um, woodpecker festival, the Dean Hale Woodpecker Festival yeah, that's every year. a fantastic year festival. It's really <laughs> cool. It's yeah. one of my favorites. Yeah, it's so cool to get over in that different habitat and see all those woodpeckers <laughs> right <laughs> yeah so um you, you you said you're the photo um editor for the uh -huh. for the journal are you are you a photographer or I how, am. how long have you considered yourself or been a photographer yeah <laughs> uh, i would say um since high school certainly oh. um i took photography classes in high school and um i've been taking pictures more of you know landscape and yeah. nature type photography and it wasn't really till I got into birding that I just started taking huge numbers of <laughs> <laughs> photos like like a couple years ago when those bar tail godwits were coming up along the coast mm -hmm. um, 
you know, it's easy to go out and take a thousand photos in yeah. a day. Um, Odd fireworks. Huh. Um, but I really like the super zoom cameras um, mm -hmm. that are easy to just have with you all the time. Yeah. I mean, it's so sad when you see a posting and someone says, oh, I saw such and such rare bird. I didn't have my camera, <laughs> but <laughs> I wish I had had my camera. <laughs> so there's that really important thing of yeah. having your camera with you. So if you have a camera that you can carry all the time, and then um, it's, you know, it's so great for seeing field mark and mm -hmm. identification. Oh, well, and a lot okay. of times, even if you can't see it, you, you, you'll get like 30 pictures. Right. And then you're like, well, it's between these two. Uh-huh. And then when you go back and review your pictures, you're like, oh, well, you can actually zoom in. You can see the supercilium. You can see whatever particular field mark you need to see. Right. That maybe you weren't able to see that great. Yeah. In person. Yeah. So definitely helps yeah or you might have a flock of shorebirds and oh, you're yeah. trying to remember okay what did they now what did I know about shorebirds last year during spring migration oh my gosh that I need to remember this year and it's really great to have that to be able to yeah take the pictures home and look at them that's but, why I like warbler migration better oh <laughs> yeah I feel like it's just a little bit easier you know to yeah. tell all the warblers apart uh -huh. Yeah, and easier to remember from year after year, and they have those great graphics of all the warblers together. Right, I feel they've like got some pretty good graphics well, of shorebirds. They do, but I mean <laughs> that one uh, that's just the face of the warblers and oh, yeah. that poster. Yeah, man, that I just have to study that for like ten minutes every year, and then I'm good. Yeah, there's one that's done like kind of an emoji look of them. Yeah, and the and there's one that someone did for flycatchers, oh. and they all look <laughs> exactly that. the same. <laughs> Which, of course, they that's, do. That's awesome. But I actually made myself a cheat sheet for shorebirds um, where I, I'm listing them by size. Oh. And, mm -hmm. and then certain ones that I find harder to identify, then I have the photos of those. Oh, so that's, it's that sounds useful. really useful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just got the shorebird guide. Because oh. um, one of our friends down in Texas, we, we went down this last May. And we ran into a whole bunch of shorebirds when uh -huh. we were dealing with uh, during when we were competing, and uh -huh. the he, we had to lean so heavily on him because he he had just got the book and he's uh -huh. like, oh, I know, I know, we, <laughs> we got this. Don't worry, don't worry, we got this. Uh -huh. And so we got back, and I was I was like, I had to buy, it. I bought it within a week of getting back because uh -huh. it's yeah. it, it has so much information about shorebirds, mm -hmm. like probably oh, there goes oh, that's another. Never oh, mind. Okay. Never mind. I, I'm getting distracted by things. Um, but it has so much information, but so much of it, like, doesn't apply in Oregon. <laughs> there's, like, big, big sections of it, yeah. at least this part of Oregon. Like, it'll be like, oh, well, there's not going to run into a lot of avocets here on the Oregon coast. Uh -huh. Maybe over in the Malheur, right. but not, not so much here. So yeah. I'm like, look, big chunks of the book, I'm like, well, this is not useful here. But, yeah. but then there's, like, least semi-palmated and uh, western flight, or uh, sandpipers. Like, okay, well, I can, I can yeah. use that information. Yeah, yeah. I can look through That's that. That's very useful. Yeah. Very yeah. useful it's, for the west coast. Yeah, it's nice when you can distill it down. When I first got interested in birding, I actually made myself a cheat sheet just for at the house. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I, I it saw it the other day, and it's like junco, black-capped chickadee, yeah. <laughs> house sparrow, red red-breasted nuthatch and you know I mean when I was first looking at birds I'd say well they all have black on their head you know how am I gonna tell those apart 
Well, or, or they'll say like white rump and they'll fly away and you'll yeah. see like the, the downy feathers sometimes uh-huh. and they're uh-huh. white and uh-huh. it's like, they're all white rumps. Yeah. They all have white yeah. rumps. What does it take to white yeah. rumps? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, back talking about reasons that you join different groups. So I'm, I'm a member of Portland Audubon Society and I did take a lot of their classes mm. over time that were really helpful with learning birds and learning bird song. Yeah, we've we've been to a lot of their um, walks. We haven't mm-hmm. gone to any classes, oh, yeah. but their walks are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's really one of the things that kept us going in birding uh-huh. because when we started birding, it was the two of us. I took an ornithology class at Oregon State University, uh-huh. and I started birding because I was failing that class. <laughs> you had I to, had to do some homework. I had to do some uh-huh. research, uh-huh. and uh, we just we started doing it because of that. And then you know it was just the two of us. We didn't have you know a lot of people say they had a birding mentor, uh-huh. and I don't really feel like we ever had a birding mentor when we first started and so we had to push ourselves to keep doing it and the Portland Audubon classes were uh-huh. really something that that helped us you know stay engaged and the, get the, involved. The, the field trips. Yeah, yeah. Field trips, sorry. yeah and there's the whole series of morning birdsong walks. I think really we, we went to a couple of those places around and then Portland. we went to a couple duck um, early morning duck things mm-hmm. with like Ron, um, Ron Escano and mm-hmm. Some, some other people and those like that that's like Hannah said that kept us actually yeah because it's like oh well we have this thing on like Saturday morning it's oh like, yeah okay, so, we'll, so you we'll, have to get out so we have to get up and go go, go to it well and also just not you know continually being frustrated because I'm looking at the book and I can't figure it yeah, out myself mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. they all they all have black heads they all have white rumps <laughs> yeah. what does this thing exactly. mean yeah and not really knowing how to but then learning it through the uh-huh. field trips and through through the really experienced leaders that these yeah. local groups have. Yeah, and then especially for bird song, it's really great to be out in the field with somebody that knows the song and yeah, points it out definitely. at the time. So um, you talked about going to the Malheur. Do you have any other like recent or favorite birding adventures you'd like to share? Um, well, so a pretty recent one just here course we're sitting here in like gorgeous beautiful summer weather at the beach which I know, happens 70 some degrees yes yeah, like this skies. all the time yeah. Here. Oh, yeah, all the time. but but just a, a few days ago i think it was um my husband and i Al, alan and i woke up and said oh it's clear outside it's sunny this is at the beach where mm-hmm. a lot of times it could be foggy in the morning and so we went down to uh, Short Sands Beach at Oswald West State Park. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that is just such a nice place. I hadn't been there in a while. And it's so great because there's a lot of old growth forest just through that whole park. Yeah. And you walk down that trail to the beach. And with when the sun's out, you, there's sunlight will just be kind of streaming in just wherever it can stream in. And we walk down there and there's a nice creek. And we said, oh, there should be an American Dipper here. Yeah. So we just looked a little bit, and pretty soon there's the American Dipper oh, on the nice. creek. So, that's, that's awesome. I, short sands, that, I think that's the only place I've seen an American Dipper. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I haven't looked in that many places, yeah. but like, I, if I want to see one, we go to, we go to yeah. short sands and wa- wander up and down next to the yeah. creeks until, uh-huh. until you find yeah, one. Yeah, it took a while of kind of looking and then finding it, and then we walked on out to the beach and... You know, then you start to see more of the ocean birds, like oyster catchers, and then there were western grebes there. Oh, really? Which seem kind of surprising, although if you go up to the seaside cove, you'll 
see those mm -hmm. pretty often. And this was the great example where they were pretty far out and I took pictures with my camera and I thought, okay, I'm just going to zoom in as far as I can and take all the pictures. And then I got home <laughs> and looked at them real carefully and there was a Clark screen yeah. mixed in really? with them. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, that I couldn't see through binoculars, but my camera can zoom further than the power of my binoculars. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. back to technology. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it can help something, yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but just being out, I mean, I, that's what I love so much about birding is just being out in nature and being out in nice places, and it's great. Awesome. So I know you're the OVA president, and you probably don't want to choose favorites, but do you have a very favorite birding location in Oregon that everybody should go? Well, Malheur has to be it. <laughs> Number I mean, one. It's just, yeah, you have to go there. But you have to go there. I mean, the best time to go is in the spring, during mm -hmm. the spring migration. And um, you don't want to go there too late. Like if you're there June to August, it's mosquito yeah. time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That'd be miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was one time when I literally went there for five minutes to Malheur. <laughs> so I was birding over in kind of by Pendleton area, and then I was coming south down there. and checking out different places and pretty soon I was in Burns, which mm -hmm. is near Malheur, and I thought, well, I'm so close, I might as well just, you know, Swing on go, in. go on over. And I went over, I got out of the car, and mosquitoes just swarmed <laughs> me and uh, got in and left. Yeah, we've had those days. That's okay. why I like car birding too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, car birding is yeah. nice <laughs> to an extent, but then, like, if you have tinted windows or if your windows are curved too much, like, trying to look through your oh. window, then it's like... You've got you've got all the aberration in the windshield yeah. and yeah. then if things are far away then it's kind of like, Oh, I can't I can't tell what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well now here they've got the central patrol road that you can a gravel road that you can drive up and down that has water on both sides. So oh. you can people just drive really slowly along there and there's some great places where you can just kind of pull up and there's bitterns and rails mm. and soras <laughs> just right outside. Just right there. The, oh that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to go to the burning festival there this year. Yeah. What, what time of year did we go oh, when we yeah. went? We went in March or April. Yeah, if you went for the Sandhill Cranes, for the... Actually, I got a job in uh, a, a job, job offer, offer in uh -huh. Elko, Nevada. Oh, okay. And my mom was like, "Well, if you're gonna take it, it was an AmeriCorps job, so it was only for six months." She was uh -huh. like, "If you're gonna take it, you should drive out there and go look at it." Uh huh. So we went on a whirlwind trip for like three days out to Elko, Nevada, uh -huh. and we were like, "Okay, this is the one birding thing we're gonna do." And we just we stopped in there uh -huh. for maybe. Maybe half an hour. Mm -hmm. We didn't get a whole lot of time. Yeah. Well, we, we saw, what, what owl was that? We got a short-eared owl. Short-eared owl, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. As, as we were coming down the road, it just, like, it took off and landed. And then I, I think we spent almost the entire time, like, the 30 minutes that we were there, I think we spent almost the entire 30 minutes there just watching the one owl. Uh -huh. <laughs> and then it was yeah. like, so I think that's the only thing we actually listed yeah. there. Well, no, we got the avocet and the black oh, the still. Avocet, oh, yeah. 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 yeah, well, if you go in April, for many years we went in April, and you'll see a lot of sandhill cranes, but you'll right. see snow geese and Ross's geese, mm. like these just huge flocks in the yeah. fields that are just amazing, and they take off, and, you know, the whole flock looks white, and then they turn a little bit, and the black part shows mm -hmm. on their wings, yeah. and it's just, it's just great, but then... 
and there's a lot of ducks going through there and then you come back I mean we do this this is kind of what we do now is we'll go in April and then come back in May because it's a whole different cast of characters really? you come back four weeks later and the waterfowl is all gone and then you're starting to have the warblers come through and you're looking huh. for bobolinks and chats <laughs> and all these other cool birds that come through there that's awesome yeah yeah, we definitely need to go a couple times. Yeah, put that on the list. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the extensive list that keeps getting longer. Right, I know. Places yeah. that we need to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we wrap up about the OBA or about, you know, birding about in general? how amazing Oregon is yeah. or anything? Um, well, yeah, I can say how amazing Oregon is. Um, so I was born in Portland, and I've mm -hmm. lived in Oregon all my life, even though I've worked in other places. So I actually worked for Texas Instruments for several years, but I resisted moving there <laughs> um, and telecommuted. Yeah. Um, so I think Oregon is really great for birding and I just really love like going around to all the different regions. I mean, it's so, you know this probably from your trip to Nevada, <laughs> but it's so different once you get across oh the mountains. Oh my gosh, it and, is. Oh, yeah. Or you go up to Northeast Oregon to the Wallowas and it's just completely different or just the whole Sisters area. Yeah. Is it's, that whole Sisters area forest. is fantastic. Yeah, it's I, beautiful. I love woodpeckers though. So yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. That's like my heaven right in that area. Yeah. I mean, it's just so great and the size of it is such that you could actually like if there's a rare bird you could actually kind of get there in one day if, if you need to go yeah. see a little That's bunting true. in Enterprise or somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well like our trip to Elko, Nevada we drove across the entire state in one in uh -huh. one day while on our way to, to Nevada so yeah. it's, it was in one day we got, got up in the morning or got up in the afternoon I think uh -huh. is when we finally left. Yeah probably but after work. We made, we made it all the way down same same day sun was still up into the into the Malheur. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's doable yeah. <laughs> to go from Portland all the way to the Malheur in one day. Uh -huh. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day and sure. telling us about, you know, Oregon and the OBA and, and letting our listeners know why they should look into these organizations and possibly join them, you know, if they have the money for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not that expensive to join. It's no. More, yeah. It's more the, like, being part of the community. Yeah, right. definitely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank You're you. welcome. Yeah. Thank you. We are just so happy that Diana took a few minutes out of her time to sit down with us and tell us a little bit about the Oregon Birding Association and how we fit into it and how um, you probably fit into birding organizations that you're a part of. And yeah. we talked a lot about Oregon Birding Association because that's where we're at and everything. And that's what she's the president of. Yeah, so. but I think a <laughs> lot of... to discuss what you know. I think a lot of this information can be extrapolated to different areas. So oh, absolutely. please, yeah, I hope you kept kind of an open mind about how, you know, replacing Oregon with Nevada or something like that. How that... Or Toronto. Or... Yeah, or Estonia. Estonia, there we go. How, um, burning, <laughs> how you fit into burning organizations and how they can fit into your life. Um, but like Eric said, where you're at, you're probably, uh, covered by several of these different organizations. Like Eric, we're not covered. We're not part of all the associations that we could be or the affiliations. What are we a part of? So we have a few memberships, not, not as many as I feel like we probably should just because I feel like we need to pay our dues, but, uh, well, we are, we are part of the American Birding Association. Mm -hmm. We're members there. 
and um, because we talked a little bit about their mission, we wanted to yeah. make sure we know their mission and that we're supporting it because you don't want to like be part of a group and then find out that their mission is completely different than what you thought it was. Exactly. And you're like, yeah. oh, why am I supporting that? Or you can even look at the organization and compare like their actions against their mission to say like, well, they're not meeting their mission. Like maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't be supporting this. Yeah, or maybe if, they're doing if, a great job oh, yeah. and I want to be supporting it. Which most groups are. Most groups are generally generally sticking pretty strictly with their board of directors sticking to their mission. Sometimes they sway a little bit and that's when membership needs to kick them a little bit and say, hey, pay <laughs> attention. But but generally they, they, follow, they follow what they say they're going to do. But uh, yeah, you want to pay attention to what, uh, what they say they're going to do and what they say they stand for. And uh, the American Birding Association, they, you know, in their mission, they talk about inspiring people to enjoy and protect wild birds, representing the North American birding community and birders through publications, conferences, workshops, tours, partnerships, etc. Um, the, the ABA has an education program to promote building, skill, building birding skills, ornithological knowledge, and development of conservation ethic. And they want to encourage all birders to apply their skills to help conserve birds and their habitats and all the different interests that birders are interested in, basically. And they want to be help be the voice of birders in yeah. North America, I, I believe, right? That's I, I think that's kind of pretty much where 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 they're looking at their goal. It's kind of kind of where their actions lead them to. <laughs> so another group that we're part of is uh, the National Audubon Society. And the National Audubon Society, they're all about conserving and restoring natural ecosystems. So focusing on birds and other wildlife, mostly birds, I think. Probably. <laughs> mostly, but eh, other wildlife too, because it, it's it's important. Birds it, need well, bird it's food. it's all connected. Yeah, birds need bird food and things to eat birds, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> birds need things to eat them right. or something like that. Okay. Anyways, um, we're also part of the Portland Audubon Society, which is our local chapter of the Audubon, but they're not affiliated, affiliated with, with National it. Audubon, so it's it's confusing. It's confusing, but they're they're basically like a smaller version of the National Audubon, but not connected. Because but not connected. I think Portland Audubon's actually older than National Audubon, or maybe that's completely. I can't wrong. remember. Florida Audubon was older, wasn't it? No. No, no, because Florida Audubon is a chapter. Whatever. Whatever. Anyways. Um, so Portland Audubon Society, <laughs> regardless of how old it is, they work to inspire people from all walks of life to enjoy, understand, and protect native birds and wildlife and the natural environment upon which we all depend. Short, sweet, to the point. Yeah. And we're also members of the Oregon Birding Association, the OBA, the... the um, one we just the, talked the to one Diana we just about. Ta- the one we just <laughs> talked all to Diana about. Um, their objective is to further knowledge, education, enjoyment, and science about birds and birding in Oregon. So another short and to the point. Yeah. So, um, what we've also held memberships with other organizations as we've traveled and moved around. Um, we've been with the Florida Ornithological Society and we actually enjoyed that one a lot. We went on one of the, uh, weekend workshop sort of things. Mm-hmm. It was like their, um, annual meeting, I think. Yeah. And so that was, that was really good. Um, we were also with the Houston Ornithological Group, which was a pretty small group, but they, um, did a lot of lectures and field trips and Appalachia Audubon, which was also in the Tallahassee area. And we went to a lot of their lectures. Yeah, so, and some walks. So, so so those are all the bird groups. But we've also been 
a multitude of uh, plant groups and na- native plant groups and stuff like that. I like the, the Native past. Plant Project. We were on yeah, the board there. That was and fun. We had a wine night every year. That was great. <laughs> <laughs> so we have an idea of who we want to be members of. Um, of course, that's that's you know money dependent. Like we're not made of money. We don't have a Patreon or anything like that. No, we're we we have we have a regular job, like regular people. Suckers, <laughs> but we we were curious what other pe- how other people felt about this, and so we went on Twitter and Facebook and and posted, you know, what birding organizations are you a part of and why, and I felt like we had some really unexpected answers. Yeah, so um, one one of the answers we got uh, was uh, from Jack. He said he's part of the Portland Audubon because it's local and does good a lot of good conservation work um and the Oregon Birding Association because of the birding connections and the people that he meets throughout it. Yeah, so those are both great reasons. Yeah. I think uh, they're perfectly valid reasons to be part of a group yeah. an organization. And Heidi <laughs> said um that she isn't able to afford it to be a part of all these groups as you know, I I completely understand. Yeah, totally. Um, But she does get a duck stamp each year and volunteers a lot with Audubon chapters and local rehabbers and conservation organizations. So that's a great way to be a part of it, even if you're not able to afford it. Like some groups will even give you like an in-kind donation membership. Yeah. Well, I think she said she was on the the board for one of the Audubons or something. I think so. Yeah. So she's, she's definitely part of an Audubon, even if she's not like actively paying dues. She's just volunteering her time which yeah that's being part of an organization yeah that's, but that's part of being part of it <laughs> the, one of the grants that i applied for at one point in time mm-hmm. they said like they asked about the organization and said how many board members contribute to the organization yeah on an annual basis which i was i thought that was kind of an interesting question yeah. it's like well what if i'm just donating my time because i don't have the because funds you don't to have be able the means to do for it, it. Yeah. yeah i thought that's a weird question and not everyone has means to be able to don't to donate money towards an organization i guess but i could also see they're thinking of like well if the board member's not donating then maybe this isn't a worthy enough cause so i guess i don't catch know 22. so the name, name of the day said that they aren't part of any because the cost is prohibitive to participate fully in birding and they have a limited limited discretionary time and money so i mean that's completely reasonable like you just don't have enough money don't have enough time, to, time. Be able to, to be able to participate in these. Yeah, so why pay the money if you're not going to be able to participate? Yeah. If you're, you're enjoying birding your own way, you're enjoying it. Yeah. Birding's birding. Uh, be Your Own Birder <laughs> said they aren't officially part of any of these groups because they don't want their donation money going to overhead, junk mail, political campaigns. Instead, they donate when they visit refuges, so the money stays there. But realize that we all have to do with what we're comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. Though I did have one thing to say, and not at all to to poo poo be your own birders. This is our own personal experience. Yeah, this is our own personal experience, and um, it might not relate to refuges. We're not sure because we haven't looked into it. Yeah, exactly. But um, we worked for uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife for a number of years, and the... like you know when you walk into a park store mm-hmm. and there's like a little. Um, plexiglass box yeah and it says like donate to support your parks or donate to support your refuge or whatever organization you're joining or you're walking into yeah so at at least with uh, texas parks and wildlife the um our understanding was that the money that went into those donation jars went into the general fund for the department not specifically for that park unless the money was directly donated with 
by with a check that was dedicated stipulated. stipulated how the check was to be used the just money coins money checks just dropped into the jar that are just into that uh donation jar go to the general fund of the department that may not be the case with national wildlife refuges they might or we might just totally be misunderstanding yeah. texas parks and wildlife they, they, they might be able to um keep keep the money at the specific refuge they're donating it to but as far as i but... remember if you like wrote it on a check or if you wrote you know, it on a sheet with, mm-hmm. that came with the check that said, you know, I want the money to go towards interpretive programming or something like that. Then if it's just like 10 bucks, it's that just goes into the general fund. Goes into the general fund, which could get used anywhere, but essentially increases the total budget for the, for the department, which is all good. Increasing the budget's great, but it may not be the budget exactly specifically for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it just goes into the thing that we don't know. We're not experts, yeah. but you know, we encourage you to do the research yourself to find out, you know, where your money's going and what it's, um, what it's supporting. Oh, and that's, that's important to know, know where it's going and how it's being used. And I totally get that. You don't want your money going to like junk mail or like fake calls or whatever. Yeah. Seriously. Yeah. Cause that's frustrating. Can't stand those. Yes. Um, <laughs> But we also understand that not everybody has the money to spend or, you know, the time that they feel that their money would go towards. Like, if you don't have the time to be a part of the organization, you don't necessarily want to spend the money. Um, but, you know, we're we're happy that we're fortunate enough to be able to yeah. support some of these organizations. Exactly. We, we, we have the a little, little bit amount that we, can that give we away. do. Yeah. <laughs> we, we have a little bit that we can donate to these organizations that we care about. Yeah. So, um, I guess just the moral of the story is like, be a part of the birding community in whatever way you can, yeah. if you want to. And if you're, if you want to be a hermit, be a hermit. Yeah. It's all good. If you're putting your money Enjoy into it. it, we hope that you are a smart consumer. <laughs> and just know, like Zoidberg. Yeah. And know what your money's going to. Yeah. Maybe. Sure. Wrap it up. Moral of the story. Yeah. That's a, that's a good moral of the story. So, yeah. um. So thank you guys all for listening to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and or learned something. Um, Rate, review, and subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, anywhere else you find us. You're a smart speaker. Ask to um, play Hannah and Eric Go Birding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you'd like to connect with us, please follow us at Hannah Goes Birding and Eric Goes Birding on Instagram. It should be exciting coming up. Oh, it should be exciting. We'll be on Um, trips. We're going to be traveling. Um, you can follow us on our Facebook page at Hannah and Eric Go Birding or email us at Hannah and Eric Go Birding at gmail.com. Did you say Twitter? Oh, I forgot about Twitter. At We Go Birding. At We Go Birding And on also Twitter. check out our website, gobirdingpodcast.com. Yeah, we have lots of ways to contact us. So. There's so many, you shouldn't have an excuse. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, we should be flooded with emails so much that we don't want to answer them. <laughs> but we'll answer them at, at our leisure. <laughs> I feel like we've done a pretty good job answering them. For the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys all for listening.